there's an enormous amount of learning experience that comes from skin, knees, and elbows. And sure. I think leaders encompass all of that. And they're also somebody that that teaches you how to deal with people and how to really sharpen not only your IQ for sales or whatever else it may be, but also more importantly, EQ by how they model things. It's kind of like we look at, at our parents and we say, okay, they would tell us things, that's one thing. But if they modeled it, we learned so much more from it. I believe the same thing happens with leaders. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, where being a high achiever doesn't necessarily equate to being an effective leader. Let's check to see if you're in the right place. If you're rising through the ranks of your organization so fast that your leadership skills need to grow as fast as your responsibilities, you're in the right place. If it seems you need different skills to lead your team or lead from within a group of talented, competitive peers, you're in the right place. If you're looking to become a trusted advisor to the CEO, you are definitely in the right place. So now that we know that you're in the right place, enjoy today's conversation. Before we begin, I have something for you. Have you not read Only Tens 2.0 yet? If you've been listening to the show, my guess is you have read it. Would you like to give away a copy to someone you care about, someone who's struggling with time and energy management? someone who needs to focus on the important things? Well, if you go to markjsilverman.com, click on the red resource buttons, we have put a free copy of Only Tens 2.0 for you to download, and you can upload it onto your electronic device of choice. I hope you enjoy. If you have a long career, uh, you are fortunate enough to run into sterling people in your life, people who become, whether you see them, you know, in five years or 10 years, and then you reconnect, you know, they're, they're the kind of people who just have supported you when you first started, the people you remember being part of that foundation and wouldn't have been able to do it without. And then as the, the years go on, and then as the decades go on, they come in and out of your life. You see them on LinkedIn, you see them, you know, what they're doing in their lives. You have a conversation here or there. And then you get to have a podcast and you have a reason to actually have a conversation. So my next guest, Roderick Jefferson, has been that for me. Uh, way back when, when I started in, in tech, you know, he was the guy who helped us in like the fastest growing company in Silicon Valley history, helping us get up to speed, which was no small feat. So his career has skyrocketed, you know, over the decades because people need what he has to offer. Officially, Roderick Jefferson is a senior executive with 20 plus years of sales enablement leadership experience. He's the author of a best-selling book called Sales Enablement 3.0, The Blueprint to Sales Enablement Excellence. He's currently an executive in residence with VentureScale and one of the founding members of the Sales Enablement Society. Roderick is also a member of several advisory boards, and he's brought these skills to household names like Oracle, Salesforce, NetApp, where I know him from, PayPal, and AT&T. He consults, he speaks, he does everything to help leaders become better. Roderick, thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. My honor. Thanks, Mark. I've been looking forward to this one. And you know, personally, thank you for what you did to help me start my career. You know, we we were fortunate enough to be part of a an amazing company with really great leadership, and it was my real entree into the business world. And I got to meet folks like you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You know, I look back at those years fondly because, you now oddly enough, we were all growing up together. 
trying to figure out what being professional meant. And we were so incredibly fortunate and blessed to be a part of the NetApp family at the time when it was there. You know, I remember those days when when Mendoza or um, Dan would reach out and say, hey, we just got number one best place to work in America. And we all kind of looked around and went, really? Okay, so other people don't have it as wonderful as we are here. But to your point, I think what we did in that was really built some long-standing bonds, as you talked about it in the intro, of folks that, you know, you may not talk to them every week, but when you do, it feels like you just talked to them last week. Yeah, you. Well, I think you and I talked a couple of years ago just about coaching, right? Yeah. We just had on the phone, and it just it just happens, and it's like time hasn't passed. It's funny because I when I went to my next company after NetApp, and it was a household name, and it was the coveted job. My sales manager actually said to me, "Mark, you're not at NetApp anymore. NetApp was special. You're <laughs> never going to have that again." This yeah. was, you know, this was a guy who was an EMC guy. Like, you're never yeah. going to have that again. And I did have it again at Data Domain. Data Domain was another special place. A lot of ex- NetApp people, of course, but it was it was really pretty special. So you know, you spent you spent decades teaching people how to be successful, uh, helping uh, assemble teams and teaching leadership. I hate this question. We talked about it before. I really don't like talking about this question, but I'm so curious as how you would define it. What's the difference between management and leadership? Oh, first of all, fantastic question. Here's how I, (laughs) (laughs) and I I had an idea that this one was going to come out right off the top. I believe that managers are people that talk about you. They can get you to the front of the line. They can help to get you promoted. They can put you in the right light. I think it's leaders that speak for you. These are people that say, I would put my my brand on the line. This person may not be ready yet, but I'll make sure that I'm mentoring and I'm grooming. I think they've got all the right goods, if you will. I just, they may need a little experience and a little smoothing off the edges. And these are people that are going to be in your corner in good, bad, and ugly. They're going to protect you at the right time. They're going to shield you at other times. And then there are the other times where they let you hit the concrete because you got to figure out that, first of all, that concrete is undefeated, i.e. the world. (laughs) (laughs) And secondly, there's an enormous amount of learning experience that comes from skin, knees, and elbows. And I think leaders encompass all of that. And they're also somebody that that teaches you how to deal with people and how to really sharpen not only your IQ for sales or whatever else it may be, but also more importantly, EQ by how they model things. It's kind of like we look at, at our parents and we say, okay, they would tell us things. That's one thing. But if they modeled it, we learned so much more from it. I believe the same thing happens with leaders. I wrote for myself the 10 things I learned from Tom Mendoza. And Mm -hmm. it was none of the 10 things were things he told me. It was things I observed him do in the wild. (laughs) And I I carry that in my pocket and teach it to every single person I coach. Uh, This is my standard, right? Like Like, this is my standard. Mark, that was 15 plus years ago. And we are still talking about that experience. We're now modeling that and handing it off. So not only does Tom's legacy continue, but the things that we learned how to and how not to both, right? We've been able to hand those off. And it goes back to your question. That's a leader. 
so before before we turn on the mic, we were both talking about how we really are. You know, hey, Rod, hey, you're great. I'm great. Yeah. Actually, truth is, I'm this. And you 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 were saying that you know you're feeling the sting of what's happening in the tech industry these days with all the layoffs and how hard it is. You know, we talked about having the ups and downs and hitting the concrete. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been through 9/11 in the tech industry. We've been through the downturns and all that stuff. How does that help? with perspective with what's going on now. Now, I was just having a conversation with one of my peers earlier this morning about this. Whether you've been through this twice, you've been through it four times, six times, I think that there's an opportunity to not just learn from, but actually start to prepare for it now. Because the first time it happens, we're all completely caught off guard, right? And and it's <laughs> stuck in the headlights and with the big eyes. You never get comfortable or used to it, but you learn how to work through it. And I think that's what's happening now is there are a lot of folks for the first time, but senior folks that are going, okay, this is my second, third, fourth time through this. We're going to get through it. I may not get over it, but I'll learn to get through it. I'll make the adjustments. And there's also, if you really look at it at its core, there's an opportunity to grow as a person from these things. Because I've always believed and I was taught that it's not what happens to you, it's how you actually approach it that really matters, mm. right? We can't control what's going to happen. Back to Mr. Mendoza. The only thing we have control of is our attitude and the way that we now approach what has recently happened to us. And I think that's where there's a lot of folks that are able to kind of exhale a little bit. Sure, it's always going to be scary. I mean, we've all got to provide and protect for our families and those kind of things. But at the same time, it gives you an opportunity to step back and say, is this about who I am or have I allowed what I do to overtake who I am? And if that is the case, how do I step back and kind of reset that button, if you will, to say, what do I, not just what do I want to do next, but how do I want to approach this and you know, at this age and stage, what do I really want to be? Because, you know, let's be honest, we've got a lot more realistically sunsets behind us than sunrises in front of us. I want to do something next that not just feeds my family, but feeds my soul. And I don't mean that to sound, you know, like some existential statement, but really something that I am proud of doing, but more importantly, that I enjoy doing. Yeah, well, you're talking to someone who risked it all and bet on exactly that. You know, for you know, at 50 years old, I made the decision to become a coach because you know I, I I just wanted that juiciness of what could I do with my own talents and skills. And 10 years later, I'm still here. That's a big bet, and it's paid off, right? So, but so, but what's the job? So this, that definition of leadership that you started us off with. Mm-hmm. What's the job of those heroic? Uh, leaders who will go to the mat for you in times like this? Well, I, I think there there's a number of things. First and foremost, it's owning the adoption, the execution, and as I said earlier, the positive modeling of what you want the folks on your team to do. Because like the old adage goes, what's important to my manager is imperative to me. So don't think that by putting out some edicts or some processes, they're going to do things. Secondly, treat people individually and teach them the difference between being a manager and being a leader by what you do. But most important of all of this, I think it is a skill that you would think would be more prominent in leadership, but it isn't. And it's listening, Mark. 
Now, something I, I learned a long time ago, I started every one of my one-on-one sessions, every one of my team meetings with the same three-part question. Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to coach? Or do you want me to fix? And the reason I do that is one, as leaders, naturally, we go to fix. That may not be what the individual needs. And the second is, I am telling that other person and showing that other person that this time is all about you. So you tell me what set of ears to put on. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. And in marriage also, my my, my ex-wife and I figured that out. Our relationship got so, you know, when she got on the phone and I would say to her, who am I on this call, right? Am I listening? Yes. <laughs> am I commiserating or am I fixing? It just made, it made all the difference in the world. One of the things that I think is really difficult, leading a team is difficult, but Absolutely. people know how to do it. And there's a thousand books on how to do it. And uh, you've seen other people do it. Leading up is another thing, speaking truth to power, becoming a trusted advisor. But leading in a group of peers, leading in a group of other powerful people who have ambitions, who have ideas, who want to be seen, who are trying, we're all trying to row in the same direction and mm-hmm. take care of our own careers. How do you influence and how do you how do you work within a team and lead within a team? I think it starts with as cheesy as it may sound, it's kind of that attitude of gratitude where I walk into a room knowing I'm not the smartest person in there. So I go in and say, leave the title outside, leave the ego outside, come in and let's help folks stay focused. But more importantly, what can I also learn from you? Because I think as a leader, we're perpetual learners ourselves. Because when we stop learning, the game ends. So walk in, but make sure that you come in with kind of some, a definitive approach. What's the goal of this, whether it be meeting or engagement or whatever, what does the outcome look like? What does success look like? What metrics are we going to hit? But then most importantly, what is everyone's role? And here's where it gets really interesting, Mark. Who's accountable for what piece? And how are we going to hold each other accountable? Because without that piece, all the other pieces are just kind of theory. So the first thing I heard was humility. Whenever you're dealing with the people who are on your leadership team, Yes. Uh, bringing humility into the conversation. How do you, how do you foster that? Because we all have our fears, we have our ambitions, we have you know all that stuff going on internally. If we're human, how do you how do you ground and center yourself so that you can walk in with that humility? I, I actually do it with, with just kind of a little humor. I always say, we've all looked at each other's LinkedIn profiles. We all know where you've been. We know the big logos. Don't believe anything you say on there. Don't believe anything that you see. And they kind of go, what? I go, yeah, I'm not saying that wasn't me, but what you see on LinkedIn is just a guy that I play on TV. And they step back and they go, where are you coming with this? And I, and I explain what I mean by that is what you see on LinkedIn is what I've done. That has nothing to do with what we're doing right now. Certainly it is loosely connected because we all have experience. But if I walked in here to this meeting into this company and said, look, I've done this 12 times. I know how it works. What's going to happen? You're going to get shut down. Mm -hmm. But instead, if you walk in instead and say, while I have done this before, I've seen things that work and don't work. Let's figure out together how we can make it work here. That changes everything. It's kind of three pieces. Walk in with clear communication so that everyone understands what we're trying to do, as I said earlier. Secondly is collaboration. Making sure that everybody knows their role and what they bring to the table and what the accountability is. And then the third piece is, 
the orchestration. And, and I don't mean just the conductor in front of the orchestra. No, it's the conductor of making sure all the dots connect. And I'll, I'll stay with an orchestra. Sometimes <laughs> you need more strings. Sometimes you need more woodwind. Sometimes you need more percussion. It takes one person to say, I need more from product marketing. I need more from more from product management. I need more from engineering, from HR, et cetera. Because in order to get where we're going, and you said it earlier, we've all got to row in the same direction together. But more importantly, we've got to stroke our paddles in the water at the same time, at the same angle. Otherwise, we're just going to go around in circles. So let's say you have an idea and you know it really mm -hmm. is the best thing to do. And other people are throwing their stuff, their ideas into the mm -hmm. middle of the table. Uh, how do you fight for your idea uh, without you know becoming a bull in a china closet? Stay away from here's what I think and here's what I feel as statements, right? First and foremost, come in and say, I've talked to X number of people and what the data has shown me is that A, if we go, don't move forward, we're falling backwards and we're losing ground. Or B, by doing this, we're actually creating more complications than not moving forward. And then I usually say something like, and because I've learned that, what I've realized and what I've seen work and not work is this. I'm not gonna say it's the best ever, but I think it's a great baseline. I'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on this as well and your experience. And you know what that does? It takes it away from you being up in front of your peers, giving a demonstration, and it really focuses on having a conversation. Nice. How do you how do you how do you lose gracefully? Let, let's let's say your idea, like you may even be right, but nobody's running with you with your idea. That one, I think, is something that has taken years to, to, to try to understand. I'm not going to pretend like, well, yeah, you're right. I, I was wrong. First of all, if there's something that's better, admit to that, right? Hey, I thought mine was was great, but now as I look at it, this is stellar. But it takes some time to sit back and kind of take that in and then ask a series of questions. All right, if we go down that route that you're recommending, right, who's included? Who owns what pieces? What Again, what's the outcome here? And what does it look like at the end of the day? And is it realistic based upon the workload that we all have right now? Or are there others that we need to pull in? So then what I've done is essentially said, I agree with you. You know the old adage, Mark. If you suggest it, you own it. I take the baton and I hand it off to them and go, okay, it's now yours. We're, we all agree. Here's the destination. How are we getting there? Yeah, I think it's important to voice your opinion, to go mm -hmm. on record that you have maybe a difference a difference of an opinion or direction. And then I think it's your job to become a good soldier. If the room decides a direction, you are now part of that direction and you do everything you can to make it successful. That's where you leave the ego out the door. Let's talk about leading up. Like, you know, let's talk about speaking mm -hmm. truth to power and becoming a trusted advisor. What do you think of the ingredients in being able to, to do that? Um, it's an art and a science. <laughs> First and foremost, I actually wrote an entire chapter about this topic in my book on how to manage up because a lot of folks are so used to managing across with their peers or down to their teams. I think it's not a matter of not wanting to. I think it's a nuance of what do I share to what depth? When do I share this information? Who am I sharing it with? And how am I messaging and positioning? And I think it's that last piece that's the most. And I, and I know we both have a fondness for Mr. Mendoza. So I'll go back to Tom and say, that's one thing he taught me. 
as a leader was sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you message and position it, not even how you say it, right? Because if I'm moving it up to a sales leader, I'm going to keep it tight, short, concise, just the facts, and I'm going to make sure that everything ties back to revenue impacting metrics. If I'm talking up to, um, say, someone in marketing, I'm going to change that. I'm probably going to be a, a bit more flexible and and open and and free flowing. Right. And I'm not going to point towards, okay, this is what we should do. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I recommend. If I'm talking to someone like uh, product marketing or product management, very different. It's how do we co-jointly do this together to make this happen? Let's say I'm talking to CHRO or I'm talking to, you know, the, the head of product, very different conversation. So back to our old sales days, know your audience. And make sure that you tailor the delivery of it. It can be the same information, the same content, right? Or even the same copy. What you do is now adjust it. And then that way, I'll give you an example. I was talking to a sales leader and we were rolling out a new certification, right? We co-joined and built it. But when it went out, my ask to him was, can I draft this and have it come from your email box? He said, why? You're an executive too. And I said, because what's important to my manager is imperative to me. And now what we did was we took it away from being a sales enablement initiative. It became a mandate from the top of sales. Hmm. Guess what happened as far as adoption of that at every level? Then I would go and talk to my peers. I'd talk to the other sales folks and sales leaders and say, hey, I just want to follow up <laughs> with follow up on that email that was just sent out by so and so. It's I'm not following up to see if you read it and I'm not following up to keep tabs. I'm following to say how do we now work together to go and roll this out. Now what I have is information whether it worked well with them or not that I can now take back up to that sales leader and go I work with four people, right? Two of them fantastic and I actually want to do nothing but just tell you how good they were. The other two, I could use a little help. And that's only set up with that help because I've already asked for that help up front. Do you see where I'm going here? I do. So let's let's take it a little further. Let's talk about stakeholder management. Oh, yeah. How do you stack the deck? The deck is that I'm coming in, first of all, not to be a scribe, right? Not to be support, but coming in as a partner. And I think that's where you really have to kind of step back for a second and go, I'm going to establish my credibility without throwing all of my awards at you, because that's not going to help anybody. And then what I do is I go to each of them individually as well as jointly. And, and that's the, the issues. Sometimes we only do this in a big crowd of rooms of leaders. And other times you go to them and go, hey, let me ask you a question. What can I do to help you right now individually? Is it get you a larger seat at the table? Is it get you help you to move up the ladder and get promoted? Is it to help you get out of the doghouse? Now, if I understand what's important to you, I know what your currency is. So it's really about learning that piece. What's their currency? And then working within that space. And there's a, a time where where we we learn and we nudge. And there's other times where you find a way to get to that end state, as you know, by letting it or at least feeling like it's their idea. Hmm. And it's not about gamesmanship. It's really about understanding their currency. Yeah. And, the, and the, one of the big 
shifts that happen in the rising leader program that I teach and what I do with my clients is it's this ego thing. The first thing they say is that's manipulative. I am the way I am. I'm a straight shooter. And it's not my responsibility to have to morph myself into anything to make sure someone, you know, for someone else's comfort. Yes. And usually it's, how's that working for you? Because I probably got brought in to work with you because that wasn't working. And, you know, talking to another sales guy, Mm -hmm. uh, we know that understanding who we're talking to is in service to the message. (laughs) Whatever we're trying to sell and whatever idea we're trying to get across, whatever we're trying, whether it's feedback, any, anything like that. uh, If we know our audience and we can work with them, we're more likely to be successful. It's not manipulative. It's just smart. Yeah, you're right. It's just smart. And again, then you get to learn their currency, right? Because I'm not going to talk and have the, I'm not going to bring the same message to a CFO as I do to a chief procurement officer, as I do to a sales officer, as to an operations person, right? And once you understand what's not just their currency, but what's their language too, Mark? Mm -hmm. When I'm coming in, I'm talking to them as much as I can in their language. I'm not trying to come in and talk sales enablement ease to them, right? Or, or talking to them as though I was talking to any of the other roles. And sometimes I'll stop and go, what I just said, did that make any sense or was it just gibberish? Or is there a better way to say it in your world? And now what you're doing is saying, I'm trying to learn from you, almighty oh, one, All right? And, and then sometimes you have to come that, right? And, and go, hey, help me help you. Nice. So if people can't get like the, this, this conversation is coming to a close and they can't get an, enough of you, where can people find more about you? I always say, if you can't find me on social media, you're not really looking. <laughs> and the reason is you can find me on LinkedIn at Roderick Jefferson. You can find me on Instagram at Roderick underscore J underscore associates. You can check out my company website at RoderickJefferson.com. Or if you're still there, you can find me on Twitter at The Voice of Rod. We'll put all that in the show notes. Who needs? Who should buy your book? Um, I think when I wrote the book, I wrote it for a very specific audience. And that was, if you're in sales enablement, whether you're just learning or you're looking to up-level your game, if you are a someone in the, I'll say, in the go-to-market strata, whether it be in sales or post-sales, et cetera, and you want to understand how to partner and collaborate with others across lines of business, similar to what we're talking about. Or if you're looking for somebody that's really looking to up-level my game, not just as a professional, but on that EQ side as well, because I go deep in the book. Beautiful. Roderick, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for sharing your heart, your wisdom, your experience, and everything on on this show. Thank you. Absolutely honored. Appreciate you. To everybody else, thank you for your time and attention. Hope you learned something. If there's a topic that you want us to cover, just send us a note and we'll give it a shot. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for joining today's conversation. If you got value, please share the episode, give us a thumbs up, write us a review. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question that you have, send them my way. Look forward to connecting on the next episode of the Rising Leader Podcast.